Behind the Bite podcast is part of a network of podcasts that are good for the world. Check out podcasts like the Full of Shift podcast, After the First Marriage podcast, and Eating Recovery Academy over at practiceofthepractice.com backslash network. Welcome to Behind the Bite podcast. This podcast is about the real life struggles women face with food, body image, and weight. We're here to help heal, inspire, and create better, healthier lives. Welcome. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to the show. There are lots and lots of things out there on social media. And if you've ever listened to past podcasts, you probably know I've said lots of things about how I feel about toxic diet culture messages and how to really you know, be aware of what is out on there in social media and just to have a keen eye for things. But, you know, there there just continues to be, I guess, confusing messages and things out there that confirm a lot of eating disorder thoughts that I know a lot of you have. A lot of people listening here do struggle with eating disorders or disordered um, thoughts about food and body image. And it's hard to sift through the noise and really figure out, you know, what to think or what's real or what's a myth or you know, just it's very hard and I get that I know a lot of people ask me questions about and are guest about so we're just going to delve right into a discussion about all these things I have with me today Libby Supan she is a licensed therapist and certified intuitive eating coach she specializes in helping individuals and groups foster a healthy relationship with food and their bodies with a thriving virtual telehealth private practice, Libby offers comprehensive support to clients worldwide. Her expertise extends to working with individuals of all genders, addressing various concerns such as healing from disordered eating, managing depression and anxiety, and overcoming codependency. Libby's coaching program is accessible to anyone regardless of their location, allowing her to reach and assist individuals globally. Drawing from her personal experience of triumphing over her own eating disorder, Libby has discovered the path to food freedom and is dedicated to guiding others on their own transformative journeys. All right, Libby, welcome to the show. Hi, Christina. Thank you so much for having me. All right, we got lots to talk about. So I know, I know. Seriously. <laughs> topic. Okay. So I know you have a lived experience and professional. Um so for people, I know introduced you, but for people who have never heard of you or don't know anything about you, um, how did you get here? Yes. Well, I'm Libby and I'm now a therapist and certified intuitive eating coach. And the way I got here is because I struggled with an eating disorder and disordered eating for about 20 years and really thought I was not going to make it and that I was going to die this way. And I just had this knowing and promise to myself that if I ever actually get better, and actually recover, then this will be my life's work and my passion. So that's why I'm here. I actually did get better. And I now do know the solution in what it takes to recover. Um, and so, yeah, I'm very passionate about what I do. And um, I can't imagine doing anything else. Perfect. Well, thank you for being here. Um, so I know we've talked a little bit before hitting record. And I know... Um, people do reach out to you and you get a whole host of um, people asking you questions, probably in your office, on social media. Mm -hmm. 
What are some of the things that you are getting asked about now? Yes, I love this question. I get a lot of the same questions. And one of the biggest questions I've been getting in the last few months is about all those medications like Ozempic, Wagovi, Metformin. And uh, I have a lot to say about that. And yeah, I guess what I can say is, you know, it's a superficial substance that you're putting in your body to manipulate your internal body cues, your hunger fullness cues, just like anything else, like, um, you know, a stimulant medication that can be prescribed off-label, like Adderall or Vyvanse or Topamax. And again, it's a superficial substance that's triggering um, different hunger fullness cues in your body. So you have decreased appetite, which is going to typically make you eat less. So with the metformin ozempic medications, it's the same thing, but obviously a little bit different. And I'm not going to get into like science or molecules of the medications, but it's a superficial way to manipulate your body. You're not supposed to stay on these substances, these medications long-term. And that's everywhere in the, you know, literature for these medications. They're not meant to be long-term. And so you go on this medication, you know, for a time period, you lose your appetite. Not only that, the biggest side effect that I hear about is nausea and actually vomiting. So you have a few things going on. So not only is that that you have that, but think about a person that struggles with eating disorders or disordered eating. You're feeling nauseous and you're involuntarily vomiting. So just that alone can trigger behaviors that maybe you already are engaging in or haven't engaged in in a while. So depending on wherever the person's at in this journey will trigger different things for the person. I will give you an example of just one person I've been talking to on social media. So this isn't a person I work with, but you know, a lot of people ask me about these medications and what I think about it and that their doctor recommended it. That's the biggest thing I get is my doctor recommended I go on this medication. I did or I didn't. Like, what do you think? So I'll call this person Sarah. And so Sarah shares with me, she says, hey, I'm not sure if I should get back on Ozempic. I went on Ozempic. I was on it for three months. I lost 30 pounds and I felt great about my physical body. But I was freaking out because I was nauseous all the time. I was vomiting and I started freaking out about long-term side effects, knowing I'm not supposed to be on this long-term. So I got off of it on my own without telling my doctor. Backtrack. I apologize. Mind you, her doctor knows she had an active eating disorder. She also was seeing an eating disorder specialist for a therapist. Her therapist also encouraged her to go on this medication. An eating disorder specialist is what she calls herself, okay? This therapist. So that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother issue layer to all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyways, so again, she gets off of it because she's kind of freaking out. She goes back to her MD and therapist and says, hey, I got off this medication. I've now regained all the weight. Do I go back on it? Both of them not only encourage her to go back on it, but to now increase her dose. Thank goodness she comes to me and asks me like, hey, I'm just confused. Like, what do you think? I mean, this poor girl doesn't know. And so I tell her, you know, my thoughts and absolutely not. 
look what's already happened. You've already regained the weight and more. Like, what do you think is going to happen this next time being on a higher dose? Not to mention long-term side effects. So, you know, this person, Sarah, was like, you know, very appreciative that she reached out to me and was then really concerned that, well, wait a second, my eating disorder therapist recommended this. I don't get it. You're saying this and she's saying this. Who's right? And so, you know, I gave her some stuff to look into and, you know, who I encouraged her to seek out for a therapist as far as like working with a specialist for an eating disorder. Um, so that that's just one little story. Well, so people listening are probably also confused because it's true, right? This is everywhere, you know, yeah. this, Wagovi, this, semaglutide, you know, it's loud. It's, you know, we say there's like something that has this 15 minutes of fame, right? And right now mm. this is what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I also get these questions because it seems enticing. It seems like this is, yeah. it's reminding me of the Fenton days back in the day when everyone thought oh, totally. it was the you know yeah magic grail right and then later it's what's causing heart attacks and thank goodness we got rid of that but what it's not really any different with this right right we're prescribing a medication to people who don't have the illness (laughs) right prescribed for um yeah like diabetes oh this is a good idea um and so i'm wondering when you were talking to sarah um were you able to tell her what the side effects could be on her body or the potentially harmful things that could happen to her body if she stayed on it? Yeah. And I'm someone that's not fully informed about these medications, you know, like that's not my scope of practice, but one of the side effects I've heard that is very terrifying to me is permanently having your esophagus paralyzed. So you can never eat normally ever again, ever. That's just one side effect. Wow. Right? Like you're willing, I'm I'm going to assume most people don't, aren't aware of these really horrible side effects. Mm -hmm. But I mean, can you even imagine having that be a side effect by just simply trying to lose weight and manipulate your body? It's like, that's how obsessed we are in our society to be smaller. Right. You know, you, you brought up something else too. You know, so much of the work we do is to help people get in tune and back in touch with their hunger and satiety signals. Right. Because that's literally what the intuitive eating is about. Right. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you brought up that this medication, these medications really make it so that people don't feel hunger. They are right. having these hunger signals, which in I mean, really is what the reason is for why they're eating less. Um, mm-hmm. So what do you think about just that part alone? Yeah, I think that, okay, so a huge part of eating disorder recovery is to like learning how to regain your hunger fullness cues, right? Like most people I start working with, they lost them. And I, I didn't, I used to not have them as well. You know, you have to kind of retrain your body. So I think of it like this. If you're already struggling with disordered eating or an eating disorder, and your goal is to get on the other side of that, your goal is recovery, and you're going to, you know, use this medication, you're making it harder for yourself. It's like you're taking 10 steps back because it's, it's almost, I mean, you can't be an intuitive eater 
if you're on these medications. It's impossible. You can't because you're superficially, you know, manipulating your hunger fullness cues. So it's kind of like what if your goal is recovery, this this not only isn't going to get you there, it's going to take you a lot further behind. Many, many, many steps back. It's just going to make it harder on yourself. And, and really honing in on this point, because you said, you know, people can't stay on this long term. So if I right. was thinking like, well, that's fine with me. My ultimate goal is, you know, because I know eating disorder talk in the head, you know, I've been there. Losing weight, looking the way I want at all costs. I don't care. You know, that's kind of the nature of eating disorder. You're really doing these insanely horrible things to your body anyway. So you're thinking, what do I care? I'll take the pill. But you can't stay on it for long term. And so you have to get off at some point. Right. And so what happens when you get off? Right. You're not. What happens to your ability to know if you're hungry or not? Or, okay, you said something like, with this person, Sarah, what happened when she went off? What happened with her hunger signals? Yeah, she immediately went into a binge, binge episode, binging multiple times a day because her hunger cues went, you know, skyrocketed. Not only that, but, you know, whether you intentionally or unintentionally go through a period of restriction, if you struggle with disordered eating or sometimes not even, you're going to experience a biological response where your body's going to want you to overconsume food because you've been starving it. Your body's trying to protect itself, you know? So again, regardless if you come from a disordered eating background or not, it's very likely that's going to happen. And so you have like kind of two things going against you. One, the physical hunger cues coming back. And then two, your brain's response of, okay, we've been in the starvation mode. We've got to make sure we keep this person safe and alive. So we're going to overconsume all the foods to make sure the next time we starve, she starves us, they starve us, we'll be okay. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's just, you know, I, I always tell people like, make it easier on yourself, you know, like set yourself up for success. This is not going to make it easier. It's only going to make it harder. Absolutely. And I wish, I wish we talked about that part more, like for every restriction phase, there's the overconsumption phase or yes phase um, right don't think people really get that and that's really the crux of like why is eating disorder specialists we say don't diet they don't work right um right yeah and that that yeah that was something i i could not believe when i was unwell is i just couldn't understand i couldn't hear when people would when i would hear people say you know, stop restricting. It's the restriction, not the binge. I, you know, to me, I was just, I was too unwell to like really understand that. But yeah. So when people I work with or people I don't work with, they'll talk about wanting to restrict. What I'll say is, okay, like you're allowed to do whatever you want, but are you also wanting to binge later? Because that's most likely what's going to happen. So, you know, it's like asking yourself, okay, if I'm going to restrict right now, do I want to have a binge later? And if you do, you know, it's like, it's, you get to choose but that's most likely what's going to happen. Now let's get back to another point. <laughs> Something you brought yeah. up. Um, and I mean, I think we can talk <laughs> like, about the dangers of these drugs and maybe we'll get back to those too. But um, wow. So this person, Sarah said that they're seeing an eating disorder therapist. I know. I know. Okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. 
Okay, anyone out there listening, um, maybe we can have a conversation about what that actually is. And I know I've mentioned it and I've had a podcast on here before about what a specialist is and the importance of finding one, especially if you really have an eating disorder and your symptoms are severe. But Mm -hmm. let's kind of go over like what, how do you know if somebody is really a specialist? Yes, what to look for. Like, how are you supposed to know? I mean, you and I know, but as you know, a potential client or somebody looking for a therapist, you don't know what to look for. So here's what I will tell people. First of all, ask what makes you a specialist? You know, like what are your credentials or certifications? And that is not an offensive question. If somebody asks me that, of course, yes, please ask. I will tell you, you know, other things you should look for anyone out there if you're looking for an eating disorder specialist is you want to make sure they're aligned with the following health at every size, body neutrality, all foods fit, intuitive eating, food freedom. What am I missing? Anti-diet culture, body respect, all of those phrases are all the things you want to look for in an eating disorder specialist. And that that is their um, framework. That's their perspective. That's, you know, where they come from. So yeah. And would you agree? Yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head and maybe even people are going like, what is food freedom? What is this? Like, how do I know right. what that is? Cause I think, of, you know, I even get people who want to be on the podcast here and I, um, they'll say, Oh, I help people have freedom from food and, you know, stop dieting and this and that. And then I'll look further into their stuff, you know, and sure. still see that they, that's not the case. They're still really right. promoting like restriction or, um, food, food, bad food, healthy food, unhealthy right. food. So if they're still using these kinds of words, labeling yeah. foods or categorizing foods, um, there's still a problem there. Yep. And I think another thing really to look for and you, something you can ask when you're looking for somebody is asking the question, do you promote intentional weight loss? And if they say yes, run. And I'm not saying weight loss is necessarily a bad thing, but as a clinician, as a provider, if you're, you know, promoting intentional weight loss, I do not think that's good. I think that that is going against what we need to be doing with eating disorders and disordered eating. Yeah. That having weight at all is the goal. Weight loss is the goal. Right. Or that being a focus of treatment, a discussion in treatment that that's a problem. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And a a lot of times too, it can be, it's so confusing for the person who's looking for the therapist because so often, you know, a lot of therapists and clinicians, if you don't know this world, if you will, you can say things that are really confusing, like, oh yeah, food freedom, intuitive eating. Yet they do promote intentional weight loss and they may not understand why that's harmful. So you really have to go into this being informed and knowing what questions to ask, unfortunately, because just because you see the word specialist by somebody's name or title doesn't necessarily mean anything. And I want to remind everybody out there, because most people who have eating disorders are also quite insecure and codependent and are afraid to you know, hurt somebody's feelings or be offensive, ask anyways. You are the client. This therapy is for you. Ask the questions. 
look at it like your life depends on it. Absolutely. Right. Because it is true. I've seen it time and time again when people have said, oh, I found, you know, I'm an eating disorder specialist, but I've found that when people have been like, oh, I found a nutritionist, a dietitian to work with, mm. it's great. They said they, you know, they're intuitive with the eating. <sighs> they don't adhere to like strict diets, this and that. But I've seen time and time again, it's a wolf in sheep's clothing, right? It's like right. so much damage gets done because ultimately it's not someone who is well-versed in eating disorders. Right. And exactly. So everything that you said, so like, that's something that so often people also will say to me, Oh no, I'm good. I'm seeing a nutritionist. And I'll say, great. Are they? And I ask the questions. Yeah. They're intuitive eating. They're this. And I'm counting all my calories. I'm allowed this many a day. And it's like, Oh God. So for another thing for you guys listening out there, if you're going to work with somebody that's going to count calories, run. Intentional weight loss, counting calories, run. Right. And something else that actually popped in my head that I hear a lot, and I know that's the eating disorder talking, but say I have somebody, and maybe you can speak to this too, somebody saying, oh, I want to learn how to do intuitive eating. I want to stop binge eating because then I, my body is going to naturally lose weight. Mm-hmm. Um, I hear that a lot as people's goals when they come in and that's right. like their whole focus. And yeah. I think a lot of therapists who don't know think, oh, that's great. Let's, 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 let's do that. I know. Yeah. And especially, I mean, I don't know if you're in those like clinician clinical Facebook groups mm-hmm. for all like the therapists. Um, yeah, I'm in quite a few and most of them are not for eating disorders. Um, there's a few of them that are, but you know, just a regular generalist therapist. It's like, they're, they're not trying to cause harm, but you have to stay in your lane. If you don't know, if you don't specialize in something, don't do it. Do not work with somebody that has an eating disorder if you don't specialize in it. So there's probably, you know, professionals and, you know, people that are struggling with eating disorders listening to this episode right now. So if you are struggling with an eating disorder or disordered eating, and you're seeing a generalist or a therapist, ask them the questions, you know, ask them, Hey, do you think I should be seeing somebody who specializes in this? And they might have the best of intentions, but you really need to see somebody that gets it because they might be causing harm and you don't know it. I can't tell you how many therapists I had to see before I found the one that is the right one that I'm still with today. So many that they said they specialized in eating disorders and were very harmful. Yeah. Just you know? little nuances, the little words. Totally. Insidious things that do stick in people's minds. Um, and it, for any of you listening who had an eating disorder, I think you know, like the way you think about food and the way you think about things, it's not the same as how everyone else thinks about things. Um, right. You may think, oh, everyone thinks like I do. Everyone has this worldview or, um, but right. when you step out of your eating disorder and you start getting the help, you realize that that's your illness talking and those are illness thoughts. Right. It's yeah. hard to see it when you're in it and maybe you're listening kind of going, what are you talking about? Right. I know. It's so confusing. It's very confusing be- and it's, it, I think it's confusing. I don't know what you think, Libby, but I think it's confusing because some of the messaging out in social media, a lot of the messaging out there just in general is 
sounds like eating disorder thoughts. And it can mm-hmm. be very confusing because it seems like, oh, yeah, see, mm-hmm. I'm right. Right. Like diet culture stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and also not to mention all the coaches out there. Um, I just want to tell everyone who's listening, anyone of you could wake up tomorrow and be like, guess what? I'm a coach. And you could start selling people on you being a coach and you know nothing about it. So use your critical thinking when you're looking for a provider, especially a coach. And I'm a coach. Um, but, you know, we, Proceed with caution, I guess. But I do want to share one one story that I experienced with, um, and thank goodness I knew enough at this time that this was not right. So this was a time when I was struggling with the eating disorder, and I had Medi-Cal for insurance. I was, you know, struggling in many ways financially and and all the things. So. I wasn't able to see a specialist. So I saw a generalist for a therapist, but I went to this person because of the eating disorder. I thought anything would be better than nothing. I was wrong. So he was a male. So in our first and only session, it's like every time I think about it, I think of my younger self and I just want to rescue myself from the situation. So I'm in his office and everything about it was just so weird. Um, So we're talking, you know, he's asking, you know, background questions, doing the intake. And kind of in the middle of me answering something, it's like he's, he rolls his chair around from his computer and he kind of like comes up to me. I know that you probably can't see me if you're listening to the podcast, but kind of like kneels down, like, um, what am I doing? Hand, head on your fist. And he's like, I know, I know every time you want to eat a Snickers, just go have sex with somebody. Okay. So let me just tell you, I never mentioned the word Snickers. At this point, I hadn't even talked about binging or food. I never told him about men, nothing about sex, nothing about boyfriends. He didn't know if I was straight or not. And I just looked at him. What? I'm sorry. What? And that was the last session. So that was this therapist best thinking. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Right? I know. So be careful out there. Really. It can be dangerous. Right. Well, and, and I think, look, you, you mentioned something like you thought something was better than nothing. And I think there are, unfortunately, a lot yeah. of people out there who can't access care or can't right. afford care for lots of reasons. We have a lot of problems with uh, mental health getting covered and just in general. So I do think mm-hmm. people do turn to social media for Right. Um, which is yeah. The reason I do this podcast and want people like you on so we can hopefully get information out there to people who aren't able to get the care. Um, right. Because there's so much information out there that's faulty. I know. That's, that's, I think it's toxic. It does damage. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I hear it time and time again from people who just think like, oh yeah, the best thing in the world is watching somebody, you know, tell me what they eat in a day and then they're they're getting that over and over and over again from different people and thinking that's really restriction right if you see enough of it you think that's normal Mm -hmm. and you're just to your point of like not realizing like when you are restricting so much you don't realize what the fallout's going to be right right it's like you can't know what's on the other side of that especially if this is like your first time Mm-hmm. or your first few times you know yeah so it's nuts I mean and I, I kind of want to get back to you know what you first brought up with these um 
medications and I don't know how you feel like do you working with like the medical field and feeling like Mm -hmm. do you feel people typically I think go first to their medical doctors for treatment Mm -hmm. maybe that's even has more access to a medical doctor versus like a therapist right um, a psychologist whoever what do you like what's your take on that like do you feel like that's making it even harder for the work you're doing absolutely because most of western medicine is fat phobic and they have you know like weight bias and, and the, because that's how they're trained mm-hmm. and they should know better but they don't and i'm not saying all doctors are all western medicine but most of it they still use the bmi chart which is just nuts to me it's so outdated and you know we could that's a whole that's a whole other episode but yeah I mean it makes it so much harder um you know it's the whole health at every size thing you know so if you're listening to this and you don't know what health at every size is google it and yeah you can find health at every size um medical providers there's not too many of them but yeah and you know I guess going back to the med- like the medications we're talking about, the Ozempic, metformin, and that, those, um, you know, and this is something that the episode in the New York Times podcast talking about on this on this topic the other day, kind of like you know, we are we are doing better as a society. I think we are moving in the right direction. It's really slow, but we are getting better. You know, where there's more with anti diet culture, there's more with food freedom, and then and then we get this class of medications. And it's kind of like, oh, and now we just took 10 steps back because now we're just showing the fat phobia, right? Because the whole point is, hey, let's prescribe this medication off label for weight loss. And yeah, so, and I come from pharmaceuticals. Like I used to be a pharmaceutical sales rep and uh, yeah, I know, I know. (laughs) Well, yeah, you come from a perspective about that. So yeah. do you have any thoughts on like why these medications are being pushed? Yes. Oh, I can, I can tell you. So let me tell you why I really did so badly, so poorly, so badly at pharmaceuticals and why I just hated it. Okay. And I'm not saying all pharmaceutical reps are this, but I can't sell something I don't believe in. I just can't and I won't and I wouldn't. And my managers would be so annoyed with me. You know, they wanted me to, you know, say the verbiage that they give you mm-hmm. um, that's prescribing whatever medication I was selling off label. You know, I remember it was um, one of the medications I sold was a sleep medication that's no longer on the market. Um, but they wanted me to sell it to any medic or sorry, uh, doctors that weren't sleep doctors. And these doctors would look at me like, why are, you, like, why are you here? You're wasting my time. And I'd look at them and I'd say, I know, seriously, I'm just trying to do my dumb job. And I would be in the room with other pharmaceutical reps and they just, it's like, how do I explain it? It's so fake. These pharmaceutical reps would just gush over these doctors and act like they were their biggest fans. And, you know, Libby, what? what's Dr. So-and-so's son's name again? And what's the son's favorite candy? And I'd be like, I don't know. I don't care. Okay. Well, I I just, I can't remember. And and I'm going to meet with them right now. And I want them to think that I, you know, really remembered what they told me last time. 
it's just all these things that are so superficial. And these doctors, I'm not saying all doctors and all pharmaceutical reps, but they eat it up. And I'll never forget being at the drug fairs. I used to have to go to drug fairs at least once a month. And man, I did not fit in. (laughs) I just did not fit in. I'd always be in the corner, just like not talking. And I mean, it was just these reps, like gushing at these doctors, like throwing candy at them, throwing tickets to like all these events, like, you know, we'll give you kickbacks and that's illegal now, but it still happens. And yeah, doctors getting, you know, kickbacks and um, reimbursements from pharmaceutical companies if you sell a certain amount. And there's just, there's a lot of shady stuff that happens. And I don't want to say, you know, anything too much or too specific because it's, you know, I'm being general right now, but it happens and it's yucky. So do you think that's a lot of what's going on right now? I do. Yeah. I do. Well, I mean, there's that show on Netflix now with what happened with Oxycontin and kind of. Oh my gosh. I worked. I worked for Purdue. I know. I am obsessed with those shows. And the documentary, Dope Sick, and what's the other one, Painkiller, mm-hmm. and The Pharmacist, yeah. And yeah. not to go down too far of, you know, a rabbit hole, but the re- another reason I'm bringing this up is, you know, on NPR recently that um, just for the mental health side effects that these medications um, are, it's coming out now that there's people who are on them and they're having thoughts of self-harm and mm-hmm. um, suicidal thoughts and, you know. Yeah that they look into that more. Um, just statistic that, you know, NPR analyzed the FDA's adverse event reporting system and learned that the agencies received 489 reports of patients experiencing anxiety, depression, or suicidal thoughts while taking these drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, and in 96 of those reports, the patient had suicidal thoughts and five of them died. Um, mm-hmm. Now, you know, there's not saying there's causation there, but... Right. Something to think about, like what's going on here? Because we were talking earlier about the esophagus and the physical effects and what could happen to the body. But, you know, come on, like we got to look at like what else is happening here. I know. And like thinking it's so layered. I mean, thinking about just that. Right. So, OK, if it increases or if it if one of the side effects is suicidal ideation, suicidal thoughts, and you're already a person who maybe hates their body, feels insecure about their body. Maybe you then get off the medication and you regain all the weight and now you have the suicidal ideation. Like, how do you think that's going to work for that person? Like you're causing a lot of harm for this person. Well, and we already know that, you know, it was just um, suicide awareness week recently. And mm-hmm. we do know that people who have eating disorders and depression, like they have a higher likelihood of absolutely by suicide. That's what makes eating disorders. Yes. Is, you know, list of mortality of all mental health illnesses right these are things we really want to put out there so people know and understand so if these medications are also you know correlated again i don't want to say conversation but they're they're Mm -hmm. finding that they're getting reports of people who are having increased symptoms of depression anxiety and suicidal thoughts like this is something we really need to look at because we already know people have eating disorders yeah. You know, and, and suicide, like they already go hand in hand to a degree. So mm-hmm. I'm concerned. And to your point too, like what happens when they get off and then they feel even worse about themselves? I know. Right. I know. Yeah. And the poor, like, and the poor person that's taking it, they're, 
most likely they're in the dark and they don't know what's happening to them. Mm -hmm. You know, I know in my life when I've been in depressive episodes and I've felt suicidal and had suicidal ideation, I even know like clinically, professionally, logically, and it still will happen. It has happened to me where it's like, whoa, okay, this is happening, but not realizing that for a while. And I know, like, this is what I do for a living. So just thinking about all the people that don't even know, and that happens too. It's really, it's terrifying. I mean, I, w- I will give Wagobi, it's the same, it has the same active ingredient as Ozempic, you know, I'll give right. them that. They do include on their box a warning about suicidal thoughts. So acknowledging that. Right. So, but to that point, it's a risk and it's known to such a degree that it's on the label. So yeah, this is something, again, concern. Um, Mm -hmm. People who are thinking about trying to get this medication because they think it's like the easy solution or it's easier than whatever they're doing now. Listen to all the things Libby's saying. (laughs) For your physical body, the long-term effects. Right. But my goodness, like, there's so much really we don't know. There's so many things that are scary. Um, right. We don't have long-term studies. Mm-mm. We can't know. I mean, I can imagine and assume and predict, but we don't know. You know, I, I'm bringing this up to you, like I said, because I really want to have frank discussions. Um, I know yeah. there's a couple of shows on this before, so I'm not trying to rehash the same thing over and over, but we're finding out more information. And, you know, mm-hmm. you've had... People DM you, you work with people too. And these things, these are real life things that are happening. Um, Cause I think all the information, the big information that's out there is this is great. This is the panacea. This is the wonder drug. Right. And we really need to have discussions, more discussion uh, about yeah. what's really going on and get the word out that like, this isn't, this isn't so great. Right. And one thing I want to say about it is like one, so one, I get, I'm quote unquote, you can't see my fingers, but quote unquote, positive, you know, side effects of being on those medications. And what I've heard people say that have enjoyed and liked the medication is that what they'll say is, yeah, it was like, once I started taking it, that thing in my brain just turned off. I stopped thinking about food. I wasn't obsessed about food. It was like, is this what it's like to be a normal person? And I'm never going to stop taking this medication because just that, but here's what I want you guys to know out there. Yeah, that probably does happen when you take the medication, but your brain is that way, meaning you're obsessed with food. You think about food. You want to eat all the time. You want to binge all the time because it's not right because you've trained your brain to be that way. And that is what you are going to change and fix when you are working with the right eating disorder specialist. You can change your brain. Neuroplasticity, like that is what I do with my clients. So just know if you're a person, that is obsessed with food. All I think about is food. I can't eat. I can't, I shouldn't eat. I should eat all the things. That's not quote unquote normal thinking. And there is a solution and it's not medication. I'm so glad you said that. (laughs) (laughs) That's like an amazing thing to say because people do wonder, they're like, what would it be like if I didn't have an eating disorder? Right. And that's it right there. Yeah is gone. It's just, it's not there. Right. Yeah. Cause you retrain your brain Mm -hmm. because you didn't always have an eating disorder or disordered eating. No, no. It's bring people back to remember when you were like, I know when I was in school and like (laughs) running around on the playground, like 
that fat, right? You didn't have it then. Right. 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 Yeah. Born with it. Yeah. The other thing I like to let people know or remind them is that we were all born intuitive eaters. So it's a relearning how to get there. You know, it's not a brand new thing, even though it probably feels that way. I mean, it did for me, but yeah. Yeah. That's fair. That's very true. Yeah. Well, Libby, I know we kind of went like sideways and up and down <laughs> and around the corner with all these <laughs> topics. We landed all of the topics. Back where we started. But um, is there anything you want to say to people before we end? And then I'll have you uh, share like how people can get in touch with you as well. But yeah, something I guess I just wanted to um, comment on is you had mentioned, you know, it is so it can be so challenging for people to get the help they need because of maybe financial reasons. And I think the best thing you can do is use what's out there for free. So I really like anad.org. So it's A-N-E-A-N-A-D.org. They have a lot of free resources. I don't work for them or anything. And also to like, you get to manipulate your algorithms on social media. So unfollow all things where you feel bad about yourself. Start following things that make you feel good about yourself, truly good about yourself, not superficially anti-diet culture, intuitive eating, food freedom, all foods fit, health at every size, all the things. Start following those things and get the algorithm to work for you and get in communities with people that are doing the same thing you are. You know, use what's out there to your advantage if you're not able to get the help that you need. Great messaging. Thank you. And how can people find you? Yes. So uh, my name is Libby Supan. And my email, wait, yeah, my email is Libby at LibbySupan.com. My website is LibbySupan.com. And all my social media handles are Food Freedom with Libby. So Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Food Freedom with Libby. And I have a therapy practice and a separate coaching practice. And I love what I do. Fantastic. <laughs> Again, this has been great. Appreciate Thank you, Christina. This podcast is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information in regards to the subject matter covered. It is given with the understanding that neither the host, the publisher, or the guests are rendering legal, accounting, clinical, or any other professional information. If you want a professional, you should find one.